On today's show, another missed opportunity for the Hawks at home against the Memphis Grizzlies falling in close-fought fashion. We'll get into all of what transpired, how close it actually was to getting over the top, struggles, strengths, weaknesses, all that fun stuff, and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1439 of the Lots on Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you deep into the evening on a Sunday night into Monday. And today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. If you're first time using Prize Picks, you have to 100% deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. That is prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. I also want to tell you at the top of the podcast to encourage you, especially to subscribe to the podcast and make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts Apple, Spotify, YouTube, etc. And I do thank you for listening to the show on this fine Sunday into Monday. Today's show is going to be getting into what became a 123-119 to 119 loss for the Hawks at home against the Grizzlies on a Sunday evening. And really, it was a game that was a toss-up in some respects. The Hawks never led after the first quarter, but they were certainly within strike distance the entire game. They were never down by more than nine points the entire way, and they had opportunities. And that's kind of the theme of the entire day for me anyway, was that the Hawks just – it's another another example of this game. There's probably 10 of these this year, maybe even more than that, where the Hawks had chances to win a game down the stretch and in the fourth quarter, and they just couldn't ever quite get, get over the finish line. And, yes, it was a game in which the Hawks were underdogs at FanDuel in this one. They were playing on the second, second half of back-to-back. So I'll be the first to tell you that this is not a game that the Hawks were, quote-unquote, supposed to win. But they, it was a game that's still that they could have won at different times. And they were – Right there in the middle of it, they had an opportunity. They had a chance to kind of steal one, in my estimation, against a team that had a couple injuries. The Hawks were largely at full strength in this game. We'll get into that later on as well. But, um, you know, big picture, another loss for the Hawks and below 500 again at 37 and 38. Only seven games remaining in the season. It has gone quickly. But for the Hawks, it's not been what they definitely envisioned heading into the season. I've not been leading with the standings very much on this podcast, and I will talk about the game itself in a moment. But first... It's a good time to kind of examine where the Hawks are because it's now really a danger zone for Atlanta after this game and after all of what happens on Sunday. So the Raptors won, the Bulls won, the Nets did lose, but the Heat were off today. And with all those results, plus the Hawks lost, the Hawks are now tied with Toronto for the eight seed in the East. Now, the good news is the Hawks have a tiebreaker with the Raptors. That's positive. But the bigger issue now is that the Bulls are playing great and the Hawks are only a half game ahead of Chicago. So that means there's a real chance the Hawks could get down to nine or even 10 in the standings. Now, I think the play-in is a, it's, it's not a lock, but it's certainly close to a lock at this point. The Hawks would have to go in totally in the tank to fall out of, out of the top 10. But the gap between being the seven or eight seed and the 10 seed is pretty big, especially if it's a 10 seed because you're going on the road for a one-game sample size there. So part of the problem with being 37 or 38 is that the Hawks have basically been a 500 middling team all year long. But there is a much better chance to think people are realizing that the Hawks could be facing elimination in a one-game sample size, even potentially on the road, in about two and a half weeks. So a lot could change between now and then. They could obviously go the other way and win some games. But um, for the standings, kind of the way that it broke down and with the way that Chicago was playing, the way that Toronto was playing, the Hawks are uh, kind of in some no-man's land right now when it comes to the pecking order in the East. As far as the game is concerned, I want to start defensively because even if there were some offensive issues that the Hawks definitely had in this game, I think defensively was the bigger problem. And that's been a, a familiar refrain in recent days. Hawks had a 121 defensive rating in this game 
I guess, a pretty ordinary. They're not bad, but Memphis's offense is like league average. They're not fantastic on offense. They're more of a defensive first team this year. And the Grizzlies did shoot the ball very well in this game. They were 54% from the floor. They had 28 assists, um, more than 60 points in the paint in this one. Only five turnovers in the last three quarters from Memphis in this game as well. The Hawks did rebound the ball very well on the glass. And they didn't foul a lot, which is obviously a positive thing. But it was kind of the same old story on the perimeter because no one was playing well enough to contain penetration. Even with DeAndre Hunter back after a one-game absence, he was probably not his full strength in this game. If you watched him, he was not moving super well in this game. And then all the other personnel challenges were definitely sort of rearing their heels in this one. The Hawks centers played really well in this game. Collins uh, Collins was fine at the forward defensively as well, especially Kongwu and Capella at the, point, at, the uh, at the back end. But the perimeter defensive re- resistance was familiarly bad for the Hawks in this game. It definitely, it definitely cost them uh, in this spot. Uh, by the numbers, the offense was more than good enough for the Hawks in this game. They had a 117 offensive rating against Memphis. And given what I'm about to tell you, that Memphis was as a top three defensive team in the league this year. They are that good defensively. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a potential defensive player of the year candidate for the Grizzlies. And if the Hawks are going to score at at that kind of clip against this great defense, they have to win the game. And they just didn't win the game in this game. Now, I will say the Hawks did not play perfectly on offense by any means. They didn't shoot the ball well at all in this game. Um, seven of 31 from three. Now that's obviously a little bit of, I've always been the first person to, to stress this. Three-point shooting can be variable. Obviously you want to take more and make more than, than the team, but at the same time, you are potentially prone to some bad shooting nights on occasion. Now, so that's part of it. The Hawks were okay from two, but league average in this game, a little bit more than that maybe. Uh, they, they did have 27 assists and 10, 10 turnovers, which is actually a great ratio, especially if you can't make a jump shot. To have 27 assists is pretty impressive, but here's a crazy stat. The Hawks were 18 of 51 from outside the rim area per cleaning the glass. So basically any shot outside of about four feet, the Hawks shot like 35%. And you're going to lose if that's the case. Now, the reason why the Hawks were able to even stick, stick in the game was because they killed it on the glass in this game. 14 offensive rebounds and 31, yes, 31 second chance points. That is a sky high number. Like the league leader in the league has like 16 a game, 17 in the game. So they doubled that up. They also won the possession battle considerably in this game. They took seven more free throws than the uh, Grizzlies did. So the Hawks effectively had like 12 or 13 extra shooting possessions in this game to kind of bridge the gap between their bad shooting and Memphis's good shooting. We'll get into it later in, on the show, obviously, but the execution late was definitely not very good. And it's still a team that plays either like laps that are like too offense focused and that can shoot, or they're playing laps that have challenges in shooting. It didn't help as well that DeJounte Murray is uh, having a long slump right now. And he and DeAndre Hunter couldn't make a shot in this game. But even the best shooters on the roster, Bogey, Sadiq Bey, A.J. Griffin, those guys combined to shoot two of, thir- two of 12 from three in this game as well. So it was basically everyone. No one was making shots in this one. And I still believe that, de- that defensively it was more of a problem than the offense. But there were definitely issues on offense as well when they couldn't get it done either. And again, at crunch time, a couple of bad shots. You know, Trey took one that was pretty bad at the end of the game. And we'll come back to you later on. But um, it was definitely both sides, but certainly I would still lean toward the defense being the bigger problem. That's been really the case for a while now. And I'm not going to say this on every single podcast, but I've been doing it for a while now. The Hawks basically have a top five offense in the league after the All-Star break, which is essentially the Quinn Snyder era. The Hawks are, in fact, number two in the league right now, post-All-Star break in offensive rating, a 121 offensive rating. But unfortunately, the Hawks have an eight and eight record because they can't get stops. Top two, top, top three offense, bottom five defense. And uh, that's kind of more in line with, with last year's team that was awesome on offense, bad defense, but obviously that did not work at the highest levels last year either. And uh, questions abound as we move forward. But anyway, 
We'll leave it there for now. We'll get into how this game kind of unfolded in a second. But first, a word from our sponsors on the podcast today. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix. If you enjoy daily fantasy sports, make sure you check out the award-winning app at PrizePix. PrizePix is DFS made easy. It's amazing. I know that you will love it as well. It is very easy to use PrizePix. I've been playing there for a couple of years now, honestly. It's been a breeze and really a, an enjoyable time with PrizePix. All you have to do, you pick two to six players, actually choose whether to have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or assists, other stats across the board, and the PrizePix went up to 25 times the money on your entries. It's that simple. They offer numbers on any sport you can think of or that you might enjoy. Beyond the NBA, of course, which they definitely have, college basketball, NFL, college football, MLB, NHL, PGA, soccer, esports, and much more. And a whole entry can be done in just a minute or less. It is that quick and that easy. Plus, it's just you against the numbers. They have safe and fast withdrawals of prize picks, and they're operating in more than 30 states. That includes Georgia plus Canada at this point. Download the prize picks app right now. Or go to prizepicks.com, sign up by DFS for free. And if you are a first time user, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code locked on. Don't, do, don't forget to enter that promo code locked on one, one more time. That is promo code locked on at sign up for the instant deposit match up to $100. Check it out now at PrizePix. So in recent days, it's been a lot of hot starts from the offense. Not, not, not so much in this game. The Hawks were 6 of 17 from the, from the floor out of the gate in this one. 0-5 from 3. Kind of a weird like scattershot pace in this game. Kind of like hasty at the outset of this game. But the actions for the Hawks were not particularly crisp. I didn't think some pretty bad passes, like errant passes, like even delivering them to the right place. And they're down by six by the middle of the first quarter. Rotationally, no huge surprises, although they did they did go to Aaron Holiday for a brief period of time in the second quarter. It was kind of a surprising outcome. But other than that, it was kind of what you would expect. The nine guys who have been playing when Joe and Johnson has been out were playing in this game. The Hawks did stay in touch, again, with the rebounding battle um, leading their way. And the Grizzlies kind of had some unforced errors. They had an inbound violation, a carry, and a backcourt violation in the first, like, eight minutes of the game. That's a pretty crazy sample size. Um, but the Hawks did not score very well in the first quarter. Sub point per possession. That's obviously pretty bad. They were one of nine from floater range in the, in the first quarter. And despite the extra possessions, they were not able to kind of hold up. Um, it, they, it went to the Murray plus bench unit in the second quarter. And it was uh, Bogey was pretty hot early on. He had actually had two threes early. Everybody else had, was 0 of 8 from three. Um, kind of an odd sub for Aaron, but it kind of made sense if you only had a, a big picture, kind of maybe to throw a, a wrinkle at John Morant. But uh, Sadiq Bay had a couple of dunks in the second quarter. It was nice to see, but the Hawks were getting killed from deep. Memphis hit nine threes in the first like 17 minutes, and they cooled off a lot after that, but the damage is kind of done in some respects. There was a fun back and forth between Capella and Jaron Jackson, where Capella had a nice block on Jackson at the rim, and then actually had a, t- a second-chance bucket on the other end of the floor. DeAndre Hunter, though, struggled badly in the first half, I thought. He was, uh, I think, one of eight from the floor at one point, out of sorts completely. He did have one drive where he seemed to get fouled and didn't get the call. But other than that, like defensively, he was kind of shaky. I'm going to guess he was not feeling 100% in this game after missing Saturday's game with a knee contusion. He was a game decision in this game. That's not an excuse. It's just kind of the reality. He didn't play very well in the first half. He's better in the second half. Still not, still not a good game overall for DeAndre. Um, Collins got fouled really hard by Jaron Jackson in the final minute of the first half. Landed pretty hard. Got up. Seemed, seemed to be okay, which is, which is a positive thing. But the Hawks – sorry, the Grizzlies got two technical fouls in a row on the play. That was a little bit strange. And then – Taylor Jenkins, former Hawks assistant, that's the Memphis head coach, challenged the play. And honestly, I was stunned that they won the challenge. Now, I don't think it would have been crazy to have that be a no call in real time. But the fact that they overturned it from a foul to a non-foul blew me away. Now, number one, it was kind of a weird challenge because it was in the first half. It was a two-point attempt. And Jackson wasn't like in foul trouble either. So it was like a pretty low leverage challenge, number one. And then 
I thought just like naturally that they, they were going to lose it because there was not enough evidence that I saw to overturn the play. Now, I don't want to litigate it too much, but um, I will say like it was wild that Jared Jackson even got to that play. It was actually a pretty impressive recovery from him. But I think for me, it was a foul. And number two, even if you didn't think it was like a blatant foul, the standard to overturn a call means it has to be like clear and evident. And it was not clear and evident. So that was a weird play. And uh, in a close game, that ended up mattering, I think, at least on some level. So anyway, Hawks on my five and a half. Offensively, it was pretty rough early on. They got better as, as the game went along. They did have 20 second chance points in the first half, just for comparison's sake. That is more than NBA teams average in a full game. Like the league leader averages less than that in a full game. So pretty crazy there. But um, early in the third quarter, the Hawks did tie the game. And as I said before, the Hawks never led after it was 14 to 12 in the first quarter. That was the case, but they did they did tie several times in the second half. Just never got over the top. Trey took it took actually his first three-point attempts of, of the whole game in the third quarter to cap that run and force a timeout. But then Memphis kind of had a couple of nice runs. Trey started taking more threes, actually took four in the first like seven minutes, made three of them. Hunter had a couple of nice finishes after a disastrous start. And we I thought it was encouraging. We stayed aggressive in this game. There was a rough foul by Kong with the buzzer in the third quarter to give Memphis a seven-point lead. Trey had 13 and five in the third quarter alone. That was his best quarter by far. But unfortunately, as the Hawks made shots more, Memphis made a lot of shots. They shot 65% from the floor in the third quarter. Um, in the fourth, it was an 8 2 run by the Hawks out of the gate to go back within one again. A nice play by Sadiq Bay to finish through contact for three point play. But then their biggest run of the game for Memphis, anyway, the second half was a 14 6 push by the Grizzlies, break things open a little bit. Um, the Hawks were, again, it was between a tie game and a nine-point deficit for the entirety of the second half. Pretty crazy. Anyway, uh, Murray made his first three of the game with about four minutes to go. He had been really cold. We'll come back to that later on, but he had been four of his last 37 from three before that make. Yes, four of 37. The Hawks were back within three, though, with like three and a half minutes to go. Uh, out of a timeout, Trey took a very bad three. It was clocked as a 35-footer by the broadcast. Um, sorry, by the uh, stat broadcast. So I'm not sure if that was 100% accurate, but still, it was pretty deep. Um, that being an ATO play, I'm sure not what they wanted at that point in time. Then they fouled Jaw. Uh, so I should say, Trey fouled Trey Val Jaw in the possession for three-point three shooting foul. So a huge swing there, all kind of by Trey, unfortunately. Um, they did get back to the line on the, on the next trip. But after DeJounte missed a pull-up 18-footer, uh, Memphis scored, and it was a seven-point deficit with 140 to go. So their best opportunity at that point was probably gone. They did have a couple chances late. Capella had a great block in Desmond Bay with about 30 seconds to go. It led to a three by Hunter off of a uh, pass by Trey with 23 seconds left. But still, down three with one possession remaining, basically. That's still a tough spot. Now, they had to foul, but they waited so long. It was kind of a weird play where, like, they kind of were in between, like, you know, fouling automatically or trapping or whatever. And they just kind of waited, like, they burned like 10 seconds. Did it matter? Maybe not, but still unfortunate that they did that. Tyus Jones made one of two. To kind of put the game like at least kind of in the balance still. The Hawks tried a quick two attempt, it didn't work. And after that, they ended up losing the game by four points. So, back and forth wise, like they had opportunities. I thought that you know, the Trey three pointer that was pretty rough. Jante had a pretty rough pull up 18 footer that he probably shouldn't have taken, nor obviously he missed it. So, uh, also Callum missed a free throw at that point in time. I, I will say Memphis kind of kind of let the Hawks back sort of hang into it with some missed free throws of their own, but. It was not well executed down the stretch from Atlanta, offensively or defensively. A couple of breakdowns there. I think Capella did his best to kind of make up for some of that in the back end. But Memphis just was the better team at the end of the game. And that led to the Hawks losing in this one in close fought fashion. All right. 
We'll have one more segment coming with we with my player evaluations from this contest and more. But first, it were from our sponsors on the podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Built Bar, and the Built March Madness bracket is here and still ongoing right now. I'm sure you have a favorite Built Bar or Built Puff flavor, and now is the time to make that opinion widely known and make it actually count for you. Go to BuiltMarchMadness.com. Vote for your favorites right now. If you've been listening to the show for a while, you'll probably know my favorite flavor is cookies and cream. So if you want to support that flavor, it's definitely an option for you, but there's also your own personal preferences along the way. And when you vote for your favorite bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50, 50 of our lifelong listeners will get a free box of Built Bars sent to them. Not only that, one family will get a 12-month subscription to Built Bars to have bars, puffs, etc. delivered monthly straight to their door. And if you haven't tried Built Bar yet, I'm not sure what you're waiting on. Please don't wait any, more, any longer. They taste awesome, and they won't even believe that you actually they're good, they're good for you as well. Every bar is high in protein and low in sugar and have 100% real chocolate on the outside. BuiltMarchMadness.com is the place to go right now to vote for your favorite bar or puff. Pick up a box while you're there as well. Vote every single day in March. So hop in now and support your pick at BuiltMarchMadness.com. All right, and to the players in this game, uh, 10 guys appeared. Aaron Holiday played four minutes. Did not register in the box score other than plus three and then plus minus, so I'm not, I don't have much to say there. Uh, AJ Griffin had a pretty rough game. I thought two points. One rebound, one assist for AJ, one five from the floor, oh, one from three. I think that part of why they tried Aaron was because AJ was not playing well in the first half. He wasn't like awful, but he was not good in this game. Uh, obviously, that's that's okay. He's been playing really well the last couple of weeks, but not not anything fantastic here. Sadiq Bay had, had kind of a mixed bag game. He was four of seven on twos, but oh, four on threes, had a re- uh, three rebounds and an assist, turnover, and defensively was, um, as he has been since he got to the Hawks, pretty rough in this game. Bogey had two threes early and then misses last four. He was four nine from the floor, had 10 points, two assists, three rebounds. Defensively, it was a step slow. And I'll just do this now. Um, Bogey was questionable on the injury report coming into the game with a knee question of some kind. Now, the knees have been his problem area with the Hawks. I have been on record before this, and I'll say it again now. I don't think Bogey should be playing back-to-backs, um, at least this year, if not moving forward. And I think especially if, if there's any question at all, I don't know why you play Bogey at this point. Not because he's terrible, but because anytime he plays on second, not even back to back, he, he kind of looks a step slow. And also, at this structure of the season, like with all due respect to the Hawks, being 37 and 38, like they're not in the middle of a title run right now. So, like pushing Bogey, who you just signed for four years, like doesn't make a lot of sense to me, especially because, again, there's some question about whether he was going to be able to play because he was questionable until the very end. They upgraded DeAndre Hunter about an hour before tip-off, and Bogey was still questionable and being, like, observed by the training staff. Like, why, if there's ever any doubt at all, why is he playing? I don't understand that. So I'll be the first to admit I'm not a medical expert, nor is anybody on the outside. We always stuff we don't know, but I don't understand, like, the common sense of that, to be honest with you. But anyway, he didn't play very well, and that's maybe partly because he was not 100% springy in this game. Uh, Akongu played well again, 13 points, 7 rebounds, and a block for Onyeka. He made all six of his shots, 19 minutes, but he played well. Um, we'll go, we'll stay with, we'll stay with the centers because I think the centers were the best part of the team for the Hawks in this game. For the most part, uh, I thought Capella was awesome in this game, honestly, because, uh, that was obviously nice to see beyond just everything else, but I've kind of been preaching patience with Capella. Like I think there's like a growing movement among Hawks fans to star NECA or like fire Clinton to the sun at this point. And that's just not necessary. I think like, I could, both can be true. Kong was playing great. And that's great to see. But also, Clint is still a really good basketball player. Uh, 18 points, 16 rebounds, four blocks in 29 minutes. He was awesome in this game, especially in the first half, flying around. Uh, best he's looked in a while. That was good to see across the board. Um, everybody else, though, other than maybe Trey, was not fantastic in the starting lineup. 
I thought Collins was fine. Uh, nine points, ten rebounds, four Collins. Defensively, he, he did his job. Um, four of ten on twos is not usually what he's going to be able to do. Only, t- only took one three. Um, I think I think he was probably the third best starter behind Capella and Trey, but it's kind of a low bar to clear. I don't think he was like good in this game. He was just kind of like a maybe a C C plus kind of game for John in this game. Hunter was aggressive for sure. Took twenty shots. Uh, I don't know why there would ever be a night when Hunter is their leading shot taker, especially when he's not had it going, but he definitely was aggressive in this game. 17 points on 20 shots. Um, he was 7 of 12 on twos. That's actually good to see. He started, he started attacking more. That was probably encouraging on some level. 1 of 8 from 3. Defensively, not quite as good as he usually is. Had two steals. Um, other than that, though, two assists and a turnover. I don't think he played that badly, but in the first half, it was really rough. Second half, he was better, but just processing stuff is always a little bit of uh, lag time and what he sees and what he actually acts on, etc. I don't think he played very well in this game on the whole. And then DeJounte has been really struggling. Um, 13 points and a nine assists. That's good to see after a big game on Saturday with, the, with passing. But shooting-wise, it's been pretty bad for a while. So he has eight straight games now with sub-40% shooting. That's not great. That's from the field, not, not from three. Also, even with the three he made late tonight, he is five of his last 38 from three. And the last 10 games, he is 36% from the floor and 13% from three. So, you know, that, that's going to happen sometimes. I think Murray's still like at his career average true shooting, which is not great, which is part of the problem with DeJounte. Which part of the question is that he's not a very efficient shooter. And he'll have hot streaks. That 10-game stretch that I just referenced came right after his huge career night against Portland. So it'll get better. I'm confident. But he was uh, hurting them on offense in this game pretty clearly. Um, you know, a couple bad pull-ups, not shooting the ball well with confidence, et cetera. So we'll see how he's been. We'll see if he bounced back from this on Tuesday. But for a while now, a couple weeks, he's been pretty rough offensively. And that's definitely is hurting the Hawks. And then defensively, you know, not, not a ton to speak of there. So And then Trey will kind of end with 28-10 and 10 for Trey. Um, had the big third quarter, got to the line 12 times. It was kind of a just a solid Trey game. I don't think he was fantastic. And then at the end of the game, a couple of blunders from him. So, you know, I think Trey has had a good rep for his late game performances in previous years. I think this year, um, you know, this is more anecdotal than anything else, but I don't think he's had the best clutch situations this year on the whole. And, you know, when you're a superstar player, you get judged differently than everybody else. I think Trey played well overall. I think other than Capella and Okongwu, he was their best player in this game. It's just that he uh, kind of, you know, it's again a credit to him. He can have 28 and 10 and not be like lighting the world on fire. But I think he was, he, he was pretty good. He wasn't fantastic. I, I will say he was awesome in the third quarter for sure. But, um, you know, it was okay. It was okay, Trey standards. Um, not, not, not great, not bad, etc. Okay, so last thing before we get out of here, the Hawks play again on Tuesday. That is a tough game. Uh, is the Cavs coming to town. It is at home. Cleveland, though, is uh, a top four team in the East this year. The Cavs are playing uh, quality basketball. They won tonight against Houston, so whatever, whatever that means. Um, but the good thing is for the Hawks, Cleveland's been very ordinary on the road. They're 30-8 and eight at home, but they're 18-20 and 20 on the road. So that's that's an encouraging thing. They have won four games in a row overall. And in general, the Hawks have matched up decently against the Cavs in previous years. But that's a big one. On the horizon for Atlanta, they're not like a direct competitor because Cleveland's going to be in top four of the East, it looks like, at this point in time. But as the Hawks' schedule comes together, these last seven games, the biggest game by far remaining on the schedule now, in my mind, is the Chicago game on Tuesday the 4th. But in the, in the meantime, the Hawks have basically no easy games left. Their only remaining like easy games on the schedule in the last couple of weeks were the, were the Spurs game they lost in brutal fashion, 
the Pistons game and the Panthers game. Now they won those games, but now it's Cleveland at home, at Brooklyn, home for Dallas, at Chicago. Washington's pretty not great, but that's that, that's a back to back, and then Philly and at Boston. So like there are no gimmies on the schedule anymore for the Hawks. And given where they have to be and where they kind of have to go at this point in time, um, that's a game on like it'd be nice to steal that one on Tuesday. We'll see if they're able to do that. But we'll keep an eye on that in the future, and that's their next game on the agenda. As for this podcast, please subscribe to the show across podcast platforms, and we'll be here throughout the run. If we're a new listener, I definitely welcome you to the show. What we do here is break down every game on the show as well. We have some guests on, mailbags, analysis, all that fun stuff. You'll have more of this and more of me in the near future. We don't go anywhere even when the offseason begins as well. Draft coverage, free agency, all that. So we definitely encourage you to subscribe and stick around with us. We'll have full coverage of the game on Tuesday. We'll have multiple shows this week besides that because then after Tuesday, they have two days off, and then they go to Brooklyn on Friday. So only a two-game week, quote-unquote, for Atlanta coming up. So we'll have other non-game content. But please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend about the podcast. Also follow the show on Twitter at Watson Hawks. Follow me on Twitter at BT Roland. Follow my written work over at patreon.com slash BT Roland. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast today, and we'll see you all next time.